Welcome, everybody, to Catfish Weekly, presented by Whiskerware Apparel, along with Doc Lang. I'm Lyle Stokes, and we're going to talk tonight about getting prepared for the upcoming season. But before we get into that, uh, I'd like to mention to everybody that uh, Chuck is not going to be with us again tonight. He is um, His father's not doing too well, and he's going to spend the time with him, and I think that that's what he should be doing. Uh, family has to come first before this show or any tournament or catfishing or anything else. And I'm glad that, uh, that he's taking care of his dad. This is exactly what he should be doing. Yep. How's it going tonight, Doc? Uh, it's cold, wet, and rainy here in Ohio. <laughs> well, it's 50-some degrees here in Missouri, so I'm not going to complain. I hope that pushes over your way a little bit so you get to enjoy it. We were supposed to get rain the last couple of days, and we've had a couple of sprinkles, but that's been about it. been pretty nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's been real windy, real windy. Uh, I noticed on the way home from work tonight, the, it was the wind was blowing so hard it was lifting the windshield wipers off of the truck. Nice. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, about 30, 35 mile an hour winds coming dead out of the south. Oh. Well, uh, the south wind's supposed to be a warm wind, but if it's cold, it doesn't yeah. really make no difference. Now, a couple nights ago, it was pretty chilly here. It was down in the 20s. And uh, I, I, every time that happens, I get to thinking about old Chuck because I know he's down there complaining about it being cold. It'd be 40 yeah. or 50 degrees, you know, and yeah. uh, he's all bundled up like a toad yeah. frog looking for a place to, to uh, spend the winter. But, uh, yeah. you know, when, when we get cold, we get cold. And that was one of the reasons that I, that I thought tonight we ought to talk about the things that, that we do to prepare for upcoming seasons. And, and it's not that – you and I either one don't fish throughout the winter, but there's things that you can do on days that you can't go fish to, to get ready for the upcoming season. And, and, right. you know, it, now's the time to be doing it. If it's raining and uh, I know you just build a new garage to keep your boat and stuff in, and you can do a lot of things in there uh, when you're not. And, and this is the time to do all that stuff. And then when yep. spring rolls around, you're ready to take off and go to wherever it is, then you're ready to go. Yeah, and and actually, since I do have my barn now, the very first thing that I attack is, uh, is I go to the trailer and start checking things on the trailer. Um, you know, I, I pull the wheels, look for any uh, dry rot on the tires, uh, look at the tread. Then I go to the bearings and I check the bearings. Generally, I pull the bearings, but uh, Daniel taught me a, a few things about the trailer because he's uh, he drives a, a semi and uh, things that I probably have never checked, he has me now checking and, and that's the springs. Check the springs, make sure that those clips are in place. Um, on uh, where the springs are bolted, there is a uh, plastic bushing that that hardened steel bolt goes through Mm -hmm. And those have a tendency of wearing down. I know last year when we went through it, uh, we pulled the one uh, leaf spring off and the bolt was like wore almost in half. So mm -hmm. that, that came as a real shock to me when I saw that. So I was glad that, you know, he showed me something right there. And I mean, it, you know, we just went through the whole trailer and, you know, you look at the axle and all kinds of different stuff. And, uh, 
Right now, I got a little bit of a leak on my sea arc, and I have not been able to track that rascal down. Uh, bilge pump keeps up with it fine, but you know, just I don't. I've never had a leak on this thing, and now I've got a little bit of a leak, and I haven't figured it out yet. Right. Well, the number one thing on my list of stuff to talk about tonight, the number one thing that I want to do every winter, and a lot of times if we're traveling long distances and stuff, a lot. I'll do it twice a year, is repack the wheel bearings on a boat. Now, yeah. with that being said, a lot of these new boat trailers don't have packable wheel bearings. They have stuff that runs Correct. in oil or something. And, and that you don't have to worry about, but you still need to make sure that they're full and, and everything's getting right. lubricated. One of the easiest ways to do that is just to take a jack and raise that up one side of your boat trailer at a time and spin the wheel. If you hear a noise, yeah, if you hear yeah. a noise, you got a problem. You got to take care of that, whether it's a greasable type or not. And guys think that just because there's a grease cert on out there, they can they can pump that full of grease and that packs the wheel bearings. Fellas, it does not pack the wheel bearings. It puts grease around them, not in them. Uh, yeah. It fills up the void in between the bearings and the axle and different things, but it's not the same as pulling them bearings out and packing them. Now, on my boat trailer, uh, I don't pack wheel bearings by hand anymore. I used to do that all the time, uh, but I have a tool that you set the, the thing in. You either put it in a vise or you can just step on it, and it forces that grease up through that bearing. And, and I've packed wheel bearings since I was a kid before they had tools yeah. like this. And you can't hand pack them as well as this stuff puts it in there. I yeah. promise you. I was in automotive business for 30 years, and 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 I'm telling you, you cannot do it as well as that machine will put them in there. And it's very simple, easy to use. But that's the number one thing that needs to be done uh, if you have packable wheel bearings every year before spring runs around. Because once you start fishing, you're going to forget all about that stuff. And next thing you know, right. you're sitting on the side of the road wondering how you're going to get your butt back home. Uh, and all it, all it takes is a crack. That's all it takes, you know. That's and, right. And that bearing will get hot. The other thing I'm always doing is, you know, I'll shoot those hubs with an infrared temp gun. Right. And, you know, that you've got that range. Anytime you start approaching 150, you got a, you got a problem on your hands. That's right. you got to have enough oil, enough grease or something. Right, and granted, the the if you got brakes like I have on mine, those will run a little bit hotter, you know, if, if you've been on the brakes a little bit. They will run a little bit hotter, but uh, right. uh, I know on my tip gun, I've got a sticker on there that says maximum 186 degrees. If I start seeing them at 150, I get a little worried. Actually, I start looking at them, you know, when it's hot out, yes, they will run a little bit warmer. But on a normal basis, they should be right around under 100 degrees. That's exactly. what they should run. Right. You know, and, and if you don't have one of those things, just every time you every time I stop, I go lay my hand on each wheel. And yeah. uh, if, if that hub's warm, uh, I'm looking for the cause of it. Uh, very rarely have I ever had to worry about that. But I know tons and tons of guys that have had problems with wheel bearings and stuck on the side of the road, and it's either in the yeah. middle of the night or someplace where there's no help around and nobody carries spare bearings and stuff. The other thing with that is, always replace the seal don't yeah. try to reuse yeah. that seal for three or four bucks 
Just put a new one in it, call it a day, because if it gets bent, warped, distorted in any way, the first time you back it into the water, you got or you got water coming in around there, and all your grease is gone, and it's not very long until your wood burns your shot. Yep. <laughs> and it doesn't, you know, like I say, three or four dollars for a for a seal is just an ins cheap insurance policy. Uh, uh, it's just it just makes common sense to me to do that. And while you're at it, just start at the front of that trailer and go to the back. And if you Working have a light, back. that's right. If you got a light bulb that's not working or a wire that's hanging down, if there's a wire hanging down, it's probably been pulled by something. So you need to either tie it back up like it was and make sure that it's not rubbed on anything and uh, Check everything. Everything that's yeah. on it, your tires is, is is another very important thing. Look at them, see if they're dry rotted, see if they're worn. Uh, man, I'm telling you, it sucks to be on the side of the road having to change a flat tire on a boat. I mean, they yeah, fall they done. fall down to the con to the asphalt or the concrete, and you're down there trying to get it jacked up. And we've got uh, hydraulic jacks and stuff we keep in the truck with us, but it's just a pain in the ass. That's all there is yeah. to it. If you know, you're in a, if you're in a parking lot, it's not so bad. You got plenty of room. You don't have vehicles zooming by you. But man, when right. you are out there on the interstate and them trucks go by and they pick up that little gravel, they just pepper you. And it stings. Yeah. Oh yeah, it burns. Yeah. You know, I, I we always try to keep uh, good tires and stuff on ours, and we come back from. Uh, uh, Cat's incredible a few years ago, and we got, oh, I don't know, a third of the way home and blowed a tire. We'd stayed all night and blowed a tire, had to leave the boat sitting on the side there. And, and it wasn't the fact that we couldn't uh, repair the, uh, change the tire. The spare tire took, uh, was mounted on the side of the trailer, took a different size socket than the tire on the trailer. Oh, yeah. And there I was, couldn't get the spare off to put it on. And these tires look nearly new. Uh, in fact, the spare actually had the bluing still over the white lettering on them from when it was new, but they was old. Uh, they just had not had any miles on them. And there was a lot of tread left on them, but it blowed one of them up. And I unloaded all the stuff that I was worried about people taking into the back of the truck on the side of the road. We took the tire off, let it set on a jack as bad as I hated to, and we had to go find a guy that could change it. And ended up just putting two new tires on it. And I'm telling you, when you're standing out on the side of the road, them guys know you're standing out on the side of the road, you know, there's no discounts. I mean, it's yeah. full tilt. You, you pay the bill yeah. and you're done with it. And yeah. uh, I'm not sorry that we put new tires on it, but I know I could have probably saved $25 or $30 a tire if I hadn't had to buy them out on the road and everybody doesn't have the exact tire. So if you think you can just pull in somewhere and get a tire, maybe they'll have the size tire you have and maybe they won't, you know, it's, right. it's not a guaranteed thing for anybody, but uh, it, it's just, you know, that's the time to do it is, is uh, like I say, we fish all year round. I know you guys fish a lot. You was out over the weekend and yeah. uh, with Bink and I'm glad that you got to take old Bink out. That's awesome. I'm sure you we guys had a blast. Have a blast. Yeah, yeah I we bet had a blast. So. We caught a few fish. Yep, that's good. And I, but, I mean, even even though that Rocky Fork is just a short uh, jaunt down the road, you know, I still, you know, when I pulled into the thing of ferry, first thing I did is I got out and I went over and I I start looking at my hubs, stuff like that. Because you know, I've had a, 
problems with them going down the road. Uh, now that I've changed the brakes out on it, I, I've had a whole lot less issues with this trailer, but Sea Ark is known for throwing cheap trailers underneath their boats, and, and I got one of them, but I, I don't have as much problem with mine as other people I know. And actually, I think the manufacturers need to put some of the best trailers under a boat because that's the thing that takes the beating going down the road, not the boat being in the water. That's it's right. the, tra the trailer and the tires with the numerous chuck holes that are on the roadways and the, the debris that gets strung on the road. It just, it, it's horrible. It is. It is. It's got awful. And, and, uh, you, you pop over some of these hills, you don't know what's on the other side of them. Maybe you get slowed down. Maybe you don't. Of course, I don't go as fast as I used to, but, uh, I'm still running at least the speed limit everywhere we go. And sometimes you can't get stopped. And, and if the brakes on your trailer are bad, that's just fix them. You know, yeah. they're not that expensive. Yeah. Brakes, brakes don't cost that much. And if you've got any kind of mechanical capability at all, you can change them. They're, they're not a big deal. If you don't feel comfortable doing it, take it someplace and get it done. It won't be any more to get brakes put on your trailer than it costs to get put on the front of your car. And uh, right. it, it's just it's just a good policy. Well now, well, now it's almost as cheap just to go ahead and buy the whole unit already pre-assembled and just hook it onto your axles. That's what I do on mine. You know, if I have a really? brake go back, yeah, it's almost just as cheap. Wow. That's good. Well, it's a lot of things like that. The prices are coming down on a lot of things that they buy it as assembly. Uh, they get to sell more of it, and for a few dollars more, everything's brand new instead of just a break. So uh, I can understand where that would be a, a really good deal. Now, Rob Ellis just posted here on uh, YouTube, does anyone attempt to check alignment in the off season? I just ordered new tires this weekend, actually getting strange outside shoulder wear only on one side. Now I've never checked the alignment on my trailer, but you know, I'm always checking the air pressures and stuff like that because I'm to the point where I can't, a lot of times I can't remember, you know, how much air am I supposed to have? So I've got <laughs> stickers on my trailer that says 50 PSI. So I know, right. I know, you know, I'm supposed to have 50 PSI in there, but I always check my tires before I ever pull out, including the spare. And a lot of people forget about that spare. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I've never checked the alignment on one, but I know Chris Cordia had bought a Sea Arc a few years ago, and and we come out of a tournament in St. Louis, and uh, he was sitting on the side of the road right on the interstate. And I uh, pulled in there to see if I could help him, and he had uh, lost a hub, and he had told me that was the second, I believe, second or third hub that had went out of that boat trailer. And I told him, I said, from the wear on your tires, it's out of alignment. And it wasn't that the axle was out of alignment. One side of it set back further than the other, and it was just prematurely wearing his tires out, uh, and, and that's what done that. And we uh, had some uh, ratchet straps, and we ratchet strapped his axle up uh, because it rent the hub and uh, throwed everything in the back of his truck, and he made it home with uh, one tire on one side of that dual trailer, uh, dual wheel trailer. But uh, he went back in, and he checked it once he got that fixed and put it on there, and sure enough, he was like a half inch off on the front axle compared to the back axle, which where your spring lines up and that thing sets over there uh, to go around that tie bolt like he was talking about. He had yeah. to slide that forward 
and uh, what he got, he measured it from the from the front of the tongue back to the center of the wheel on both sides. And when he got it lined up, he just tightened it down. And uh, as far as I know, he didn't have any more trouble with that. Uh, yeah. But those are the kind of things that that now is the time. And and, and you can run over a curb in a parking lot like we had tight quarters down there at uh, yeah. at Owensboro. You can pop over a curb like that, and you can move that. Uh, let that slide on that that springs, uh, depending on how big the hole is in in your uh, your top piece where that tie bolt goes through. Uh, you might change that a little bit, so, but that's as far as changing caster and camber. I don't know how you'd ever do that uh, on one. You'd have to take it to somebody that's capable of bending those axles to line them up if that part of it's out. But if they're just front to rear out of alignment, you can a lot of times fix that yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, the other thing is, you know, if you curb check them tires, uh, they're notorious for uh, building up a blister on the side. You'll break a belt on them, you know, especially in tight quarters like we were down there on the monsters. You know, you curb check one and then, you know, it just rubs that sidewall and then it pops it open. I've seen right. big knots come out on the side of them. <laughs> Yeah, and that's from a that's from a belt being broke inside that tire. Right. And if that belt's broke, you've got you may not have problems right then, but you're gonna have. You might, yeah, as, you well might as you might as well pull it in a parking lot and change it out because it's gonna be that's an right. issue. It, yeah, it's gonna and it'll be some place where you're in a ton of traffic or in the center lane where you can't get over. There'll be a, something crappy happens. So just take care of it yeah. when you see it and be done with it. The other thing uh, I really look at is my chains. Now, I've got cables on mine. Uh, I don't care for the cables, but that's what it Me means. Me either. I, I like having the chains on there. I do too. The, the cables, um, I'm, I'm sure they're plenty strong enough because they're, I don't know, three-eighths or bigger. I mean, they'll hold yeah, they're a large. lot more. Yeah, but they're twisted up. They always got ends sticking out of them. I'm always jabbing myself in the hand. Yeah. Fingers I, I, get all sore. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, if I had a boat of mine that had gone on there, I would take them off and put chains on them. Uh, yeah. they're, they're just they're, – they're terrible. I, I mean, I know that's maybe technology at its finest, but I don't like it, and uh, yeah. I just don't care for it. It's, it's very uh, crappy to deal with, and – and the chains work for a thousand years. We might as well keep using something that, and they don't ever fray out and get you in the hand. That hurts, boy. That's no, a little, yeah. little wires. They're painful. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I'll probably change mine out this year. I'll probably go back to the chains on it. So, yep. I understand. I understand. A lot of people like the cables, and there's nothing wrong with them. They're, they're no. like I say, they're very secure. Yeah. Uh, they just they have the downside to them as they're bending and breaking, and sooner or later, uh, even coated ones, the wire is going to come through there. And the next, first yep. place you get it is in your hand, and uh, I just I just don't care for that at all. But uh, like I say, things get better and newer and upgrades, yeah. and that that's one of them. And it, it just doesn't suit me personally. But uh, hell, a lot of things don't suit me. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Uh, what do you do with your boat, Doc, uh, as far as getting it ready for the next year? Uh, generally, I'll go ahead and uh, double check. Well, what I do in the wintertime is I go ahead and pull the batteries. I clean my batteries up, just make sure that, you know, even though 
that boat is in a barn. You know, I still pull the batteries. I, I get the vacuum sweeper out. Uh, it's amazing how much shad and skipjack end up on that deck where your batteries right. are at. That's you know, right. that mine is covered, but somehow it always ends up down inside there. You know, and it it, it, it can get pretty nasty back there. So. Yeah, you know, I'll okay. I'll take the I'll take the batteries out at that time. I'm looking at the cables. You know, I'm just going over <laughs> anything and everything because you know things move around. They rub. I look at the straps that are on the batteries that hold my batteries down. Look at the trays. Make sure there's no cracks in those. Uh, take out the vacuum sweeper. Just sweep everything out. Uh, check the bilge pump. The bilge pump is something that is really overlooked. And it's one of the most, when you have to have it, you want that thing working. That's 100% correct. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be reaching over there. And uh, we got a problem here because, you know, without a bilge pump working, uh, the boat's going to fill up pretty quick. That, that's exactly right. And, and uh, you know, one of the prime examples that I can uh, attest to is a couple, three years ago, we went to a tournament up in Keokuk, Iowa and took John Nordyke with us. Uh, and it was a monsoon up there. I see Calvin Myers is in the chat and, and he'll he'll know that what I'm talking about. And we sat out there and liked to drown. The, the wind was horrific. We got behind an island and, and, and parked. And the day before this tournament, we did, our bilge pump wouldn't work. And I went up to see Mike Bean, uh, at Dave's Marine in Burlington, and uh, he reached underneath there, and I don't know what he'd done, but it was something that he fixed in just a couple minutes on that bilge pump, and it was going. I don't know if there's a stick stuck in it or whatever it was, but he fixed it for me, and it was a good thing. You know, we yeah. sat out there for three and a half hours behind that island with the, with the cover on that boat trying to stay dry and water was running down the, the cover and it was running right down the hood of John's coat right down the crack of his butt. And we just sat in there and, I, you know, you didn't dare get out. It was just yeah. that bad. And uh, uh, it was just miserable. And, uh, you know, if, if we hadn't got that bilge pump fixed, we may have sunk that boat because it runs solid the whole time we were sitting there. That's how hard it was raining. Wow. And, uh, yeah, that's that's a lot of water. But you yep. couldn't – we was uh, – behind this island was a little slough. Oh, I don't know. It was probably uh, 100 yards wide maybe. I doubt if it was that wide, but it might have been. And uh, you couldn't hardly see the one side or the other side of it. It was just raining that hard. When you get that much water coming down, them boats collect that water really, really quick. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the best thing to do is get behind there. And when we pulled back out after the rain slacked up, the, you know, it was about 30 minutes after we did, we started seeing other people come out from behind the other islands in different spots because everybody done the same thing. And uh, <laughs> it was really bad that day. It, uh, but it, when, we when we took off, it was, wasn't doing anything. But about huh. 30 minutes after takeoff, it was miserable. I mean, unbelievable. But a bilge pump is, is something that you have to have working. If your boat's equipped with it, even if it's not equipped with it, I'd recommend putting one in it. They're not that expensive. only takes a few minutes, and you can put it on a switch, or you can just turn it on and off. And uh, it's just a good idea. It's a safety factor that, that, uh, that you ought to have in most boats. Yeah, and the other thing I'd check is uh, hose connections. If they're in the back, most of them, that's where they come up. And uh, I know on the Sea Arc, before they put them on, they they glue them. They put silicone around them, and then they shove them up on the spigots. Then they put hose clamps on top of it. 
generally, even if a hose clamp breaks, it will still hold. It won't break loose. But, you know, hose clamps are known to cut loose. So, Absolutely. And, and they'll sit there and jiggle uh, with stuff wearing on a boat. And I've actually seen hose clamps, actually, that was over-tightened, cut into a hose and cause damage yeah. to the outer layer of them. So uh, it, it only takes a few minutes to check this stuff out. And and while you're in there looking at that, look at all your electrical connections on anything yeah. that you can get to and make sure they're not corroded. If they are, that's the time to get you some baking soda and a wire brush and get it cleaned up, put it back it together. Cleaned up. Yep. Yep. That's exactly check right. Connect the connections from your... Uh, I've got an onboard charger. I make sure that those connections are good and clean, so I'm always getting good contact when uh, I'm charging the batteries up. You know, when you're charging those batteries, they give off that acid fume, and if, you know, I, I open the back end of my boat when I'm charging and uh, make sure that those gases get out of there. Exactly. So you know, the old boats used to have an intake air and an outtake air. Yeah. Remember that? And yeah. I don't think they do that on any of them anymore. Uh, no, I think they got a fan or something now that they they be. run. Yeah, but that's just like the uh, that's just like the um, the gases that build up in your live well from the ammonia off of those fish. Just open yeah. it up and let it out. It's the same difference yeah. with that. If you're charging up that battery, they have vents on the ends of those batteries, and that lets all that out of there. Uh, and it, if it can't escape, then it's stuck in there. And that not only is dangerous to breathe, it's kind of a fire hazard because if you happen to be a smoker or something, you open that up, boom, you got you got an issue because uh, that's how come batteries blow up that are overcharged when people hook bad batteries mostly. They hook up uh, jumper cables to them or battery chargers that's already going and it sparks. Well, it's the gas that catches on fire that's coming out the end of those batteries. And usually that's from sulfated plates and the ba the battery should have been replaced anyhow. But if right. not, you, once it blows and you get it wiped off of you, uh, you will be replacing it at that point and uh, washing everything up real good. Yeah, and worse, I mean, if a battery does let go, it, it's going to it's going to melt right down through that aluminum. It's going to cut a hole right through the hole. Oh yeah, and you got to get a water hose on it. Yeah. Right, you got to get a water hose on it immediately, and and just just keep running water over it, water over it until you're sick of running water over it. Then run it over there a little while longer to make sure that you got it all washed up. And uh, again, baking soda is a really good way to get rid of any of that stuff that gets on metal or anything uh, and it'll get all that stuff cut off of there and out of the way and uh, it will help you it's your friend yep and then but I, I, I kind of go over the interior of my boat uh, you know checking the seats out uh, that kind of stuff looking uh, I know on a sea arc they got the screws that go down into the deck that holds the decking on sometimes those things back out or you know, there some of them are missing. You know, they backed out and they're just not there. So I I always keep spares and I just kind of really go over the boat with a fine tooth comb, checking everything out. Uh, live well up front. Uh, I carry big desiccant bags that I put in my compartments in the winter time, so it'll draw that moisture. What moisture gets in those cabinets? Generally, what I do. Now that I've got my barn sealed up, uh, I knock on wood, I haven't had no uh, four little four-legged critters anywhere, but I have a tendency of opening up 
by hatches just so that moisture doesn't get trapped down in there. But when, right. I, when, That's when I had my boat outside and had it covered up, it was always covered up. Uh, them little birds, they always worked their way down in, inside the boat. Well, and mice will get in there too, but the number one problem that I would have down here is squirrels. We have, yeah. oh my God, we have an abundance of them things, and, and they'll get in. If they're just like a rat or a mouse. They'll get into everything and eat shit up they ain't supposed to, and uh, they, they, they'll get underneath the hood of a car, and they'll eat all the wiring off of it. They'll eat anything. I don't think they eat it. I think they just chew it. Uh, yeah. I don't know what the hell they do, but they're a mess, and uh, they'll plug up. Uh, I, I'll tell you a quick story here about that. Um, my buddy Jason Mathena bought a new boat a few years ago. I remember. I know yep. all about this. <laughs> he got that boat, and all the time he had it, he just couldn't get any speed out of it, couldn't get any speed out of it. And he took it to Illinois, and them, uh, buddies of his over in Springfield, they changed props, and they get out on the lake, and they'd fire it up, and it just would not get the speed that everybody else is just like that did. And I don't know, he had it a year or two, maybe three. And he gets this thing to a guy, and he tears it apart, and they found a mouse nest or something in the intake of this boat behind the air cleaner or a mouse or a squirrel or whatever it was got in there and built him a nest. And the reason his boat would not run was because it couldn't get enough air through there, so the in air intake, so it could run. Yeah, and the Suzuki trims it. You know, if it doesn't get enough air, it just it backs off on the fuel intake. Yeah, and top speed on his was five to seven miles an hour slower than anybody else with a 200 Pro Cat and a 175 on it. And he's, I mean, he was getting pretty hot about it. Yeah, because he kept asking me how, how fast <laughs> mine would go. And he goes, man, I can't get mine to go that fast. And he said, and you got a bigger boat than I do. He said, yeah. what is going on with this thing? I said, man, I don't know. Yeah. So, and, and he, then he called day and then told me what they found <laughs> so you know and, and and they don't just get in motor parts and things they'll they'll get yeah. in uh, they'll get in uh, where your wiring's at they'll get in the back where the batteries is at if there is a hole they can get their nose through they can fit in it yeah uh, they'll just squeeze down and get in it. so that's you know this is the time to go over all that stuff and get it all checked out and, and whatever you need to do or take care of or that needs attention, just take care of it and uh, be done with it. And you can still use your boat. If you decide you want to go to the lake, it ain't no big deal. Just take it and go on when you come back. Next right. time you're thinking about it, go check something else. The next thing I go and do is I look at the trolling motor. I check my mounts, make sure my mounts are still tight, that the trolling motor fastens to. Because through the year, I don't ever mess with it. You know, I'll pull the prop off, make sure there's no line up underneath of it. Uh, just make sure that that shaft, that shaft that the prop attached does not move back and forth mm -hmm. uh, in the housing. Because when it starts moving back and forth, then you got a bearing that's starting to go and then it's time to, you know, do something about it. But, uh, right, you know, put that on there and you know again just put a little bit of grease on the on the pin on the shear pin and stuff like that make sure that still turns nice and loose uh put that prop back on look at the the, the other thing i see a lot of people that don't do is they'll have problems when they go to plug in their trolling motor 
and a lot of times it's you know there's something that's built up over the year uh some elect you know the the green looking stuff that gets on those uh connections and you know you get you know if you get that you got to get it cleaned off you you can't just keep letting it go no you don't well, get that good contact you're, you're going to end up putting more you're going to use a lot of juice out of your battery because it's not getting the full connection that's exactly right that corrosion builds up on there and not only does it not let everything go through from point a to point b it could keep it from working and you're and then you know the last thing you want to do is get out there and have to be screwing with that thing when you can take care of it now uh yeah. if you drop that trolling motor in and you're, you're not anchored you're on a river especially where there's current and you drop it in there it don't work by the time you figure out that it's corrosion you get it taken off and get it cleaned up you'll be a mile down the river yeah. uh just go ahead and do all that stuff now be done with it it's just uh it's just yeah. a good time and it's simple to do it's out of the water it's easy everything's you know what Everything on a boat's not easy to get to, but it'll be no. as easy to do out of the water by far than it will be if it's in the water and, and you're trying to get going fishing. You won't be nearly as aggravating. Right. Yeah, another thing that I missed earlier was the, the strap, the front tie-down strap. Those things are notorious for, you know, you, you'll get a little bit of a rub and then it just starts trickling through. It runs like a crack across yep. that and then when you go to tight you know you go to crank that boat up and that strap breaks boy you're you're in a world of hurt right then and there unless you you know i carry extra tie downs with me uh just you know to have if if, if i got to hold an axle up or something like you know you did with chris's you know i right. carry that kind of stuff but you know that i i've only broken one tie strap one uh, front end strap and I happened to be at the house when it happened but I didn't even you know I didn't even look at it I, it just I seen it frayed and when I looked down boom it just snapped when I pulled down it on it tight right yeah well I'll tell you one of the things that I have come to really enjoy is these uh, tie straps for the back of the boat that are made yeah. welded on onto there that's got a ratchet on them you yeah boat buckles my and oh man, that's the slickest thing. That's a great invention. Yep. They should have come out with them a hundred years ago. They're just awesome. Simple to use. And uh, they last they last forever. They, I mean, they I'm last still, forever. Yeah, you don't have to overly tighten them. And that's where a lot yeah. of people they, they crank down on them and then it, it'll wear that dog out that's right. in there. You know, so you know, you just you, you want them good and solid. That's all you need. But, you know, I've, I've bought my pair. I think the pair that I've got on the back of my boat are about 14 years old. Mm-hmm. So, and they're still oh. in good shape. You know, you just yeah. pull them out, hook them up, and you're done. Yep, I don't think you can wear them out. I'm sure you can, but, I, you know, I'm very impressed with a lot of this new stuff. If your lights are not working or you're having electrical problems with the lights on your trailer, yeah, I would highly, highly recommend lights for the rear of your boat. And while you're at it, just run new wires. You buy it as a kit, just run it up through there, tie yep. it up really good. Those LED lights draw almost zero voltage from your vehicle that's pulling it. They are extremely bright, and they last a long time. The yep. you know, this just uh, the 
they're not that much more expensive than anything else, and it's a lot better product. Yeah, and it's not incandescent either. So <laughs> no, it, it's it, not. The heat and cold does not affect it at all. Nope, you're not going to burn them out because the new the new lights are, are sealed up. You're not going to drop yep. it in the water and worry about blowing that 1157 bulb out or 1156, whatever it's got, because uh, it's just not going to happen. And there's no yeah. heat. If water gets in there, there's no heat to blow the bulb up. And uh, they're just a better product. Right. And and uh, if, you need, if you're having problems, I'd highly recommend the LED lights. They're just a better product. Yeah, because I, I remember uh, when I was at Royal King this past weekend, and uh, I seen that they've got the LEDs in there, the submergibles, and and they're, they're not very expensive. They're like twenty five dollars for a pair. Yep, yep. And you're done. Yeah, you're done. But like I say, it, you, a lot of times you can buy it with new wire, as cheap as you can buy just yeah. the lights, and uh, just run the new wire. Don't just put the lights on and forget about that wire. Put the new wire on it. The old wire lasted all them years. Yeah. Go ahead and put new wire on it, and it'll last that much longer again. All you got to do is make sure your connection's good and tight. And on water submergible stuff, you know, I know that we're kind of getting out of line here a little bit maybe on this, Doc, but I solder my connections on anything that's going to be in and out of the water and, and either heat shrink it or yeah. I've got some what they call mastic tape that sticks to itself. And you can sink it in water, whatever. Water does not get past it. It just kind of molds itself onto the wire and itself and whatever it touches. And it's a, it's a watertight tape. Um, yeah. The other thing I use is that electric, uh, liquid electrical tape that is black in color, and it's on a mm -hmm. brush. And you put that right. on there, and it gives it that. Uh, yep. Yeah, water is 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 as much as we love water. It is the most destructive thing that you can for electrical components, especially that there is. Yep. That's that's it. Well, All I right. think we got the boat and trailer pretty much covered. <laughs> that, yeah, I, I think so. You know, uh, this is a good time of the year to do any of your upgrades if you're looking at new electronics, especially right now. There's a lot of sales on Christmas time coming. You know, yeah. rods, reels, uh, new line. Uh, I use braided line, and, and I'm going to tell you something that I do. Um, braided line lasts a long time. It really doesn't go bad like monofilament does because it doesn't have the stretch in it. And after a year or two or so, I take mine, and I'll run the line off of one reel backwards onto another reel because the last half of that, it's never been used. It's probably never seen daylight. If it has, it's very seldom. And that way you can use your braided line and get two reels out of it for the price one. And if some of it's missing off of it, you surely have a, a reel that takes uh, less line than, than another one. And run it up on there and use the back half of it. You get, you know, if you do it every year, you get two years of use out of one uh, filling of line. Uh, it, it's just something that I do, and I'm not being chintzy about it. It just makes sense to me to get all the use out of something you could get. Yeah, yeah. Making sinkers is another thing. This is a good time of year because who wants to be out there making sinkers over that hot lid uh, when it's 100 degrees outside when you can do it now when it's 40 and 50 and very comfortable outside and and uh, get get all your sinkers made for next year. And if you yeah. tie up any rigs, uh, if you tie up any any rigs, you can tie them up and get them ready to go. And I'm going to share something with you guys. I know everybody's got their own way of keeping tied up rigs. 
I think you've seen this when we fished together, Doc. Yeah. But this is an old Bass Pro worm bag. And it's made with leaves in it where you can uh, put bait up in it and store it. And everybody tells me, oh, you can't do that with a with tied up rigs because they get out of hand and you, they get all tangled up. Well, fix that. These baggies right here are snack baggies. You can buy them at Walmart, any grocery store. They're very thin. They don't take up much space. And as you can see, I have a rig tied up in this one right here. And I know there's companies that make specialty stuff for this, but I've been doing this a long time, and I have no reason to change what I'm doing because it works. You tie up your rig. You can see that's just a long hook with a 2022 eagle claw on it, three-foot of line. And you set that baby down inside there, and you ziplock that snack bag. And I can put 10 or 12 of those in each one of these and not have too many in each leaf. And you can have all them tied up that you want. They just fit right down in there. And then you can zip them up. I, I tie up channel cat rigs. I tie up uh, eight and 10 aught circle hooks, 2022 Eagle Claws and 197 Eagle Claws. And I tie those up uh, and put them in that bag. And then I'll tie up my rigs for my bumping rod, uh, which it, we use um, uh, Gamagatsu Big River hooks, 9 and 10 aught for bumping. Uh, don't use a circle hook when I'm bumping. I can't lay off of it, so you might as well have a good hook that's going to do that. And, and these guys, you know, I say, oh, I want thin wire hooks. Screw that. I want something that's going to be there. I want a heavy wire hook, and when I lay it on him, I want to pull his teeth out or break something. And yet we're not breaking nothing, and I ain't found one that had teeth that I could count when I got the hook in. So <laughs> when you're bumping, yeah. they're trying to take that rod away from you, take yeah. their being away from from them. So you need to win. You need to have the best stuff you can get. That's why I use those specific hooks. But uh, that works for me. It's just something that's easy and quick, and you can have that bag. It don't take up no space. You can have any kind of rig that you want tied up in there. I don't put sinkers and leaders, uh, swivels and stuff on them. I do that in, in a little plastic box. But uh, works for me, and if that will help anybody, that would be great. Uh, but uh, that's the stuff that I get ready for for uh, for fishing for, the, for next year. Yep. Uh, the other thing is tournament schedules. Yeah. We've been working on tournament schedules right now uh, for next year. We've been working on them for probably two months, and uh, very few people have come out with uh, with their schedules yet. I know Alex has been putting up a lot of the tournaments coming up for next year for Twisted Cat Outdoors, and we fish a lot of them tournaments. We didn't fish all of them last year, but we fish a, a high percentage of them. And he's got the Columbia Bottoms one in the Brunswick tournament that he's doing this year, and uh, Canton. Uh, no, I don't think he got the Jack and Jill tournament out yet, but he got the uh, – um, Burlington tournament up, I think the Columbia Bottoms in St. Louis, you know, and, and we're we got a calendar and we write all these dates down and it's it's like the calendar I use for guests on the show, you know. Now next week, while I'm thinking about it, uh, I'll just go ahead with that. Before I forget it, we'll have Lori Darsham and Heather Halverson 
It's a mother and daughter uh, ladies catfishing team from up north. I think Wisconsin. I hope I'm right about that. But they're supposed to be on the show with us next Sunday night, so that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but you know, that's that's the kind of things that, that we're doing right now. We're we're you know, of course, you got you know where you're going to go to Monsters on the Ohio. You know you're going to go to Mississippi River Monsters. There's just you know already you got know, those locked in. Yeah, we're you know you're going to go to those. It just you're just going to go to those. And uh, we're looking at several of the Cabela's tournaments. And, uh, of course, most of the Twisted Cat tournaments. And, uh, you know, as, as things pop up, we'll, we'll be talking about some other stuff and, and, and uh, different tournaments that's coming along. I know there's a, there was a lot of talk about a couple of tournament series that come up, elite series or high output pay series, and I can't find out any information about them. So I'm just going to go I ahead with what, yeah, what I had already planned on doing. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do, and and get ready and and uh, you know if they happen to have them and that's fine. If they don't, then uh, then I'll be prepared. You know, a few weeks ago, Doc, you was talking about buying all them Comel's uh, uh, small uh, channel cat uh, floats at Walmart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't stock very many of them, so when you're in there, no. if they got any, you better get them all. Yeah, grab them all. <laughs> That's exactly right. But yeah, you know, I don't know what if you're just going to fish local tournaments besides the two or three of the big ones, or what what you have. But I'm sure you're already working on your schedule for next year, even though the dates are not out on a lot of them. Right. Yeah, because I, you know, a lot of it is affected by my work. You know, right. my my schedule is pretty much locked in on my work, but. Like they threw me a curveball this year where they changed me completely over, which really messed up my fishing for for almost three months. So right. they, they just kind of screwed everything with me on that. But uh, you know, it is what it is. I got to, I have to continue to work at least until I retire. So yeah, that's exactly right. And, and uh, you know. Cabela's has a bunch of their tournaments dates out for next year, and I know they don't have near all of them out, but they do have some of them out. And one of the tournaments that I really, really would like to try is that Tawakini tournament down in Tawakini, Texas. I uh, I don't know what it is about that place. They got some big – maybe it's just the fact that they got big filled fish down there is why I want to go. But the other thing is it'll be warm down there. <laughs> <laughs> when is that tournament? I mean, is it is it in January or February? Or? No, I think it's in February or March. February, I think, but now I could yeah. be wrong. But I, I looked it up the other day. But my memory's uh, it's not what it used to be, and it's you know it slips a little bit. But uh, there's something about the, uh, warm weather, Texas catfishing, just seems like a good combination. I know yeah. Justin Cook. And uh, the Gerloff boys and a bunch of them guys been going down there for the last two or three years, and they've been kicking butt and taking names. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm excited about that. I'd like to go down there and, and jump on that and see if there's something we could do with that. And uh, like I say, at least we can probably go down go down there and warm up a little bit. Yeah, right. <laughs> So one other thing that I wanted to talk about uh, as far as wintertime stuff is this is a good time to test out new stuff. If you want to test out new fishing line, if you don't use braid or uh, if you don't 
if you want to try a different leader material or if you want to try new, this is a great time of the year to try them because the fish are not quite as active. Even the blues and the channel cat, they're not as on fire and aggressive as they are a lot of times in, in the summer and the spring and the fall. And, and uh, it'll be a great time to try out some of that stuff. Uh, I get hooks and lines and stuff and crap sent to me all the time. And some of it I try and some of it I send back and some of it I just throw in the trash. But uh, if, if you want to try out stuff, this is a good time to do it and see if it works. Don't wait till the last minute. You're on your way to, to Monsters on the Ohio and you get halfway down there and say, man, i got to try this stuff out. Well, if it don't work, you're going to be heartbroken. So uh, wintertime is a great time to do that. And uh, like I say, uh, I learned my lesson with those thin wire hooks. I don't use them. I want something that's got some some balls to it, and that's why I use Eagle Claw. And besides that, they are American made, and I really do like that. Yep. The other thing I do now is I start tearing reels down. I uh, tear my reels apart, and uh, I go over them with a fine tooth comb, clean them all up. You know, I, I enjoy doing that kind of stuff. Now, so there's a lot of itsy-bitsy parts in there, so you got to be real careful. And that's more or less, that's why I stick with Abu Garcia, because I know, I know how to tear them all down and how to work on all of them. So, yep. you know, I, I take them apart, and, and it's amazing. You know, even though they don't get dunked in the water and stuff, but somehow that grease does come out of them. Yep. You know, so, and, and they get dirt and dust and stuff, road grime on them, and it gets up in there, and it'll chew that paw out, and it'll chew that screw that runs that paw on it, and, you know, generally yep. the screw isn't so bad, but the paw just seems to take a pretty good beating over the years. Right. So, a little bit of oil will help them once in a while, but they, and it's a good time in the, in the wintertime is if you're capable of doing reels yeah. it's a good time to take them apart and oil them up and clean them up like you say it's amazing how that dirt and stuff can get in there but it does get in there and i think a lot of it uh is is traveling back and forth and going to boat ramps yeah. that are on gravel roads and stuff like that yeah I it, think ju it just happens you know if you don't have it put in a a rod locker what which is like what your boat is mine doesn't have a rod locker on it Mm -hmm. So, you know, either I put the poles in the boat or I put them in the back of the truck, and I'd much rather have them in the boat than in the truck. We just got some – I have been busy, and I haven't had a chance to check all this stuff, but uh, Jason Malone agrees with us for solder and all of the thing, and, and uh, he says, watch the snowflakes landed in your melting pot. I can just imagine that <laughs> yeah. snowflakes hitting that hot lead, man. Yeah. Uh, just explode. Uh, Jerry Diller says that Cabela's on Tawakini is usually the first weekend in March. Yeah, I got a thing uh, from Johnny Ward saying March 4th. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Jason says uh, to use like a McDonald's tray when you're working on your, your reels. That way any of them small parts that jump out before you're ready for them to, they'll be on that tray. You can find them, pick them up. That's a great idea, Jason. Yeah, yeah that is. That's I always have idea. mine on a towel. And I always have a white towel. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. You'd be like I did. I've got one tore apart over here, and I've got three of them. I'm going to send to a guy to get to get worked on. And uh, uh, 
I took one of them part. Now I got parts in it. I can't figure out where they go. So I'm just going to load them all up, send them to him. I was supposed to do it a long time ago. Just haven't been able to get around to doing it yet. But, uh, you know, that's, that's the easiest way for me. If, if, uh, I got spare parts, they go somewhere. And, uh, if I can't figure it out, then I'll send it to somebody that can knows where they're going to go and get them fixed right and be done with it. Cause I want my stuff to work. Uh, if it breaks, I want it to be to break because the fish was too big for the, Whatever I'm using, I don't want to break because I neglected to take care of it. Right. Well, I had a, uh, one guy ask me, he goes, why do you have your reels numbered? And I said, <laughs> uh, you know, I've got, I've got stickers on the side of all my reels, one through, I don't know what I got, 22, something like that. And if I see I have a problem with a reel, you know, I, I've got my phone, and I, I can write notes down, and if I'm having a problem with a reel, I look at the number, I write that number down, and I know I need to work on that rock, on that reel. That's awesome. So, I, so, and Cindy you know, told me that notes tech section on them phones was only for grocery lists. Yeah, no. <laughs> I use it for everything. <laughs> Mine's got fishing notes all over it. You know, if, I, if I see somebody doing something, I take a picture, and then I... <laughs> You know, if I see a, a, a certain rig, that I said, man, that, that's a nice setup. I'll take a picture of it, and then I can just whip out that little pen and start writing notes on right on that picture yep. right there. That's pretty cool. Jerry says that's a great idea on numbering your reels. Now, I don't number our reels, but as you know from fishing with us, we number our rod holders. Yes, yeah. You know, when, when, uh, when we're sitting in the boat, uh, we're turned around – nearly always fishing out of the back of the boat. That's kind right. of the way catfish is supposed to be as far as I'm concerned. But the one on the far left is number one, number two, number three, number four, all the way around to six. So if I'm doing something and I got a rod going down and Cindy can't get to it, she just hollers out number. I know which rod it is. And yeah. I go directly to that rod, whether it be two or three or five or whatever it is. And, and it's the same way uh, if I'm up the front of the boat and I'm messing with a trolling motor or if I'm restringing a rig on a, on a broke off rod or whatever, and I happen to look up and beat or whatever it is that she's doing, she don't see it. And I just holler at that number. She knows exactly what rod to go to and pick it up. So uh, uh, we've been doing that for several years and uh, it works for us. It, it may not work for anybody else, but right. Yeah. There's all kinds of little different tricks that everybody uses, there is, but, but that does work very well for us. And, and uh, it just you just go on. Uh, yeah, Jason says, "Go ahead." Huh? He Jason says him and Heath number their rod holders too. So uh, you know, I just thought maybe it's because he's getting older, but you know, Heath and Jason they're not that far behind us. Yeah, I remember seeing on Ken uh, Lewis's boat big stickers: one, two, three, four. Every rod holder that went across the back. And when I the one year I fished with him and. Uh, Big LZ on the Mississippi rivers. That's what they were doing. They were calling out, you know, rod yep. number three down, you know, exactly. So, I mean, it is pretty slick. Now we do that when we're fun fishing or if we're pre fishing, it's not just for tournament day. If yeah. you do it every time you go out, it's automatic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, if you just wait for tournament day, you might not remember which one's three or, or if one's out of the, the rod holder or something, we do it every time we go out. And that way, like I say, when tournament day comes along, it's just automatic, you know, which rod it is. And, and it just yep. goes on. It's just something that works for us. And, and there's a lot of little things like that, that, that now's a great time to be trying those things. Cause if, if you go out fishing now, your chances are, 
pardon me, you're not going to be in a tournament situation. And now's the time to try those little things and, and prepare yourself and condition yeah. yourself for tournament season. If you're a tournament fisherman, if you're not, uh, it's still handy if you're fishing with somebody or especially if you have a kid uh, and they're not used to any of that stuff. So, okay, this is number one, this is number two, this is number three. And let them get that rod and just holler out numbers. Got to fish on two. And, and let them run over and grab it, you know, and then they're conditioned for it. So down the road, uh, if you are fishing a tournament or if you are busy and you can't get to it, then you call that number and they just go automatically go back and grab that rod and you're ready to go. Yeah, well, this weekend, uh, Bink and I were dragging. <laughs> we were running a, two planer boards and then two – that were running out the back drag and we had the planer boards out the sides and, and I, I had a one planer board that got tripped and the rod went down and then a dragon rod went down and then Bink's rod went down. We had four rods down at one time. I mean, just boom, 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 boom. And we got three of the fish, three of the four, the fourth one came off. <laughs> we, we got three of the four. So, but I'd rather see just one rod at a time go down. Yeah, that'd be nice. It, it looks you know, like a Chinese fire drill there for a while, you know. He, he's trying <laughs> to grab. Well, I'm really glad that you got you and Ben got to go out. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we had a good time, you know. I'm he, sure you did. Just for everybody out there, he's doing pretty good. He's real weak, but uh, he handles it real well. He's only got, uh, I think, seven more treatments. And then uh, they're going to try to build his body back up before they do surgery on him, so. But he's doing good. You know, we talk that's, We talk every day. We talk. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. You, I know you guys are great friends, and he's such a good guy. And and uh, he's going to get this thing whooped out, and he'll be, we'll be seeing yeah. him next year. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, later in the year, he'll, he'll, he'll get through this. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll, we'll all be glad for him when he does. And, and, uh, and we're still uh, having that be, tournament, so – Everybody kind of keep that open there. That That's going to be April 15th. We're going to have a uh, tournament uh, to help him out because you know, he's going to he's going to have a bunch of medical bills here coming up pretty soon. So, yeah, we're going to just yeah. try to help him out. So, that's, and that's I'll awesome. have more details. As, as the first year gets here, I'll start laying out more details. Good deal. And then that'll be on what body of water, Doc? Uh, we haven't figured that one out yet. I got it. We're. It's more than likely it's going to be on a river. Okay. So. Well, that that's just great, and and I wish I was a little bit closer, but you know, uh, you just never know what who will show up at a deal like that. You no, really no, don't. No. Uh, there's throughout the years we've seen. Uh, fund me accounts for guys that's went on and tournaments benefit tournaments and they always all the cat fishermen and women always show up to support these people and and it'll be a great event i'm looking forward to to uh seeing the outcome of it and uh you know there's no finer people in the world than janet bank so uh, i hope that uh, everything goes good i know i know like i say bink's got a really good outlook about this he's going to whoop yeah, her out and we'll please. be good to go and everything will be fine then you're going to have yeah. to deal with them at tournaments again yeah <laughs> <What>? <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, we had a good time this weekend. It was both enjoyable. It was, the weather was kind of cold out there, and I was a little bit worried about him. But he was really dressed up. He had more. He had enough clothes on him for both of us to stay warm. But he stayed. He stayed good and warm. Well, good. That's that makes it a lot better. And you know, one of these days, I'm sure you guys will get back out again. And a lot of that's going to depend on this weather that we're. It's winter. It's coming winter, so it's yeah. you know it's not going to get any better for a while. But you know we really can't complain. It's been very mild uh, to date. Yep, been pretty good. Well, that's all I have on stuff to get ready. Um, just like I say, if you got anything new to test out for the year, then go ahead and test that stuff out and and get it ready. If you got anything else you want to go over about on this subject. Uh, no, I think we pretty much got you know go over. Uh, what about rod maintenance? What, uh, you know, is there anything you can do with a rod or something? You know, that's well, one of the, the things that I tell people if they want to do anything to them is, is to go over the guides and stuff and clean them up, take some Dawn dishwashing soap and, and a rough dish rag or something, washcloth or something like that, or a nylon brush and clean them up real good. And once you get all the old blood and guts and fish scales off of them, a coat of car wax is the best thing in the world for them. Uh, if you have cork grips on them and you want to do something with those, uh, you can sand them very lightly, not to distort them in any way. And they make some U40 cork seal. And I put that for the last year or two, I've been putting that on every cork grip that leaves here. It darkens the cork just a little bit but it's an added protection to keep that stuff from rotting and deteriorating away. And you can sand them down smooth again, and you can put that, uh, you, <laughs> you can put that cork seal on them and it'll just soak in. It does not do any good to put more than one, more than one coat on it because the second coat won't sink into it over the first one. So just one, one coat of that, uh, and it will preserve the life of your cork, uh, greatly. Now, like I say, every every rod that goes out of here, we put that on every one of them. I buy it by the case, and uh, you can get it on from any uh, builder supply. Or you can get it off of eBay. They got the stuff in there, and and uh, you know, just it, it just makes it last longer. Cork is. I know a lot of people really love cork, and I know you like it, Doc. I despise yeah. it. But the reason I do is because I deal with it all the time and chunks come out missing. And, and these guys that are selling these foreign-made rods and they're saying, well, we're using a select-grade cork. And they're lying. If, if I put the best cork on a rod that money could buy, the cork would cost as much as the finished rod does. Cork, yeah. Good quality cork is very expensive. Yeah. And when you're selling a rod for 70 bucks, you're not putting $90 worth of cork on it and selling yeah. the whole thing for 70 bucks. So them guys <laughs> can talk all that bullshit they want to. It ain't happening. You know, that's just not how it works. But, uh, you know, the, the scad scales and skipjack scales, once they've been baked on out in the sun, it's probably the hardest thing to get off of. But a nylon brush or, like I say, a real rough um, cloth of some kind and some Dawn dishwasher and soap works the very best for me. I use a lot of turtle wax on our stuff. Rain dance works really good, but I'm pretty sure any quality thing will shine them up and make them look good. Uh, but go over the inside of them guides with a Q-tip swab. And if you find any place where that 
uh, Q-tip is being frayed out from the inside of that guide, whatever's causing that will cause your line to fray. It will, whether it be monofilament or braid, it doesn't make any difference. And it may be a groove in there. It may just be something stuck to it. It may be something been bumped into it. But if you run that around the inside of that ring and it catches and frays that Q-tip, you need to attend to that immediately. That's the best tip I can give you on rod care. Okay. That's the, the very Good best information. Yeah. Well, you know. Well, I mean, like and I've said, always used Dawn to clean my stuff. Well, you saw how my corks look. You know, yeah. And that, that's yep. all from Dawn. So. Right. And I'm not sure that any of the cork you got has got preserver on it. I don't think it does. Yeah. It probably doesn't because it darkens it up a little bit. Right. Yeah. I've got some of them rods I've got are. You know, I hate to say it, but they're 15, 15 to 18 years old, and, and the cork is, you know, it's dark, but it, it, there's there's no chunks missing out of it. Yep. I, well, I've got had guys that, you know, they get slammed down the rod holder, and a lot of times when they come up in that rod holder, it'll break it off of the top. It'll just take a yeah. chunk out of it when it hits that metal on them rod holders. And, yeah. and it's just things that happen. Uh, if the fish had hooked itself up, it wouldn't have happened. And sometimes they just get a big old fish and slam it and just bash that cork next to that blank. And, uh, you know, things don't happen. And uh, if, if you have that happen and you want to replace it, repair it, the easiest, simplest way to do it is to clean that up as smooth as you can down to the rod bank and replace it with a nice cord wrap. Yep. It's not cork, but it's easier to do and a lot cheaper if you're paying somebody to do it because it's, it takes a lot of time yep. to get that stuff down, put it on a lathe, smooth it up like I like to do them and, and do it. So uh, Jerry Dillard says he used a wire brush on his. Jason Malone said he uses his wife's loofah on his. Um, I'm pretty sure he's full of it on that, but you never know about Jason. He just might be using it. <laughs> hey, oh, Bob. the other thing, something else I just thought about. Um, you know, Driftmaster Rod Holders is one of our sponsors. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other thing, you know, even though I use Monsters, I do have Driftmaster on board the boat. But I take – an spin them things out of those holders and clean those threads up because they do get corroded up mm -hmm. over a season, you right. know, and, and I'll take a wire brush and I'll clean those off and, and you know, take this. If you got the wing nuts or if you got uh, just regular nuts, mine that's got stainless steel nuts on it. Uh, I just go and clean, clean those off, spin them off. And, you know, I'm a mechanic and, and I've got all the dyes and stuff that I need to, if I have to clean them up. But if, if you do, you can take a wire brush to them or a wire wheel to them. That'll clean them right up. And if for some reason it don't just get you a tap to run down in a hole a little ways or a dye to run over yep. top of the threads on the outside, clean that stuff up. Uh, something that I like to do to stuff like that is put anti-C's on the threads. Yep. Now, that stuff will get on everything and attach itself to everything. But if you'll put it on there and then just take a cloth and hold it real tight and unscrew that inside the cloth, most of it's gone, and that'll stop that corrosion from coming up. Yeah. And the other thing is if you use a – now, we use – I have access to food-grade anises, and food-grade anises, you're supposed to be able to eat it and stuff like that. I don't think I'd want to do it, but – 
it doesn't it doesn't creep all over you like the other stuff does. Well, that'd be good then. Yeah, Jason. So. Uh, Jason says that he sprays his threads with Corrosion X, uh, which must be a chemical uh, that yeah. he's aware of that I'm not. Which I, I you know, he kind of deals in that stuff. I think with his job, so that's probably a good product. And um, Jerry also said he used a wire brush on his, which that's fine. But it doesn't matter what brand it is, and especially when you're putting stainless no. or, or steel uh, rod holders into an aluminum base, you're going to get some of that if water gets in them. Water's going to get in them. You're out in a boat. Yeah, yeah. I it's, mean, it's there's raining. water all around. That's right. Yeah, it rains, and it always migrates into those threads and works its way right. down through there. And all this stuff that we've talked about tonight, you can do it on a Saturday morning. Or a Sunday yep. afternoon, you know, when when you watching a, a football game and uh, or whatever it is. I mean, stock car races over and baseball is over, so I'm pretty much done with TV. There's never any catfish shows on, but yeah. uh, you know, it's just it's just nuts. But uh, there's there's a lot of things that you can do and prepare yourself for a great year for next year. I mean, we're gonna have a good year. It's all get to go fishing. Yep. It's always a good year. What yep. do you got tonight for Doc's tip? Doc's tip tonight, back up your waypoints on your electronic units. SD card, that's all it takes. About a two gig. When you come off of the water, just before you shut your unit down, just, you know, Humminbird, Garmin, uh, uh, yeah, what's the other? Uh, yeah, yeah duh. boy, I can't believe I just did that. Oh, well, part of getting old, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> but back them up. You know, you don't ever know that, you know, one of the units, uh, you may have to do a hard reset. When you do a hard reset, you know, it takes everything off. But if you do that, if you're faithful at doing this backup here on your waypoints, uh, you, you won't lose anything. It'll come back up. And that's Doc's tip for the night. That's a great tip, and a lot of people forget to do that or don't know that you can do it, but it's something that uh, if you're worried about saving your waypoints, that's a great way to get it done, and that way uh, you have them for next year. You have any other? It takes a few minutes, so that's yep. all I got. Okay. Um, Jerry has, Dillard has sent me the schedule for this Texas uh, tournament trail for next year, and the first three are January 14th, February 4th, and February 25th, he says he's going to announce a full schedule this weekend at their championship event. I know he posted some uh, flyer or something up on the Catfish Weekly page. I've been busy getting the uh, – well, as you know, I've been busy getting the show going for the last quite some time today, and, and it'll go on after the show's over. I, you know, we just don't – we don't do the show when that's it. It takes uh, several hours in between times yeah. and before and after to get everything done. So uh, we'll be getting all that done. Um, I would like to ask everybody to keep Chuck and his family in, their, in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, uh, it, it bothers old Chuck really bad when he's not on a show with us, and yeah. we miss him terribly. But uh, family does come first, and we wish him the best with his dad and his health and, and hope everything goes well. And if you don't mind, just uh, – uh, say a good word to the man upstairs. We're glad that Bink's doing better, and I, I attribute some of that to everybody uh, doing that for, for Bink. Uh, it's just, you know, kind of the way it is. 
But uh, if you don't have anything else, Doc, I think that'll do it for tonight. Uh, be sure to join us next week on Catfish Weekly. We've got the two ladies from, I believe it's Wisconsin. I might be wrong. Uh, Lori Dorsham and Heather Halverson, some mother and daughter catfishing team that was at uh, uh, Mississippi River Monsters. It ought to be a great time. Uh, they're, they're pretty funny. I talked to them on the phone a little bit. They're, they're just a hoot. So we ought to have a great show with them uh, as long as nothing pops up and, and we don't have some kind of internet uh, cluster. And that's happened. But that's the plans for next week. So thank, yeah. thanks, everybody, for watching the show tonight. We'll see you next Monday night on Catfish Weekly. <laughs>